Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the All Portable Discussion Zone. It's a bi-weekly live stream all about amateur radio portable ops. Uh, with me this evening are the show's two co-hosts, Dan, KC7MSU, and Brian, W7JET. And Hi, I am also, also pleased to introduce to you tonight's guest, Anne, KC9YL. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Also, a warm welcome to all of you guys who are watching, guys and gals who are watching on the uh, live chat. Uh, if you have a comment or a question, go ahead and throw it in the chat feed and we'll be do our best to respond to it. And also don't forget that this show is converted to a podcast and is available through most podcast players about 24 hours after the show. And finally, you can become a supporter of the channel by clicking on the link below and the join button and it will give you exclusive access to certain benefits that we have that uh, 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 like a giveaways and things like that. So uh, with that, let's uh, get caught up on what's been going on the last few weeks in uh, the world of Brian, Dan, and Charlie. Uh, go ahead, uh, Brian, and let's hear what you got to have to say. So let's see what happened with me in the last uh, two weeks. Um, well, I got the goat. I think we talked about that because I think that happened the last time. Um, done one or two summits since then, and I've uh, been mostly active, did a lot with the, you know what, let me turn a light on in here because I'm I had to close the window because of the, anyway, um, we'll fix that in a minute. So had to do, uh, I did the 13 colonies um, and Eve actually got a clean sweep on the 13 colonies on phone, still working on her getting CW. I got uh, all but GB 13 COL on CW. They never really were on enough on phone or CW to get them. And um, yeah, I think that's about it. Just been chasing some DX, working around the house and getting ready for the next activation. I got one of the Flagstaff Ham Fest on uh, Friday or Friday night, spent some time in Flagstaff. Even I did a little uh, bar hopping and checked out some of the microbrews up there. And the next day, I got to hang out with Charlie and uh, listen to him give a presentation along with uh, Keith, K uh, KR7RK. It was a good time. It was uh, for the first time Flagstaff Hamfest. It happened a long time. It was a good showing. Yeah, yeah it was not bad. Okay, uh, Dan, what, do, what have you been up to? Well, I did not make it to the Flagstaff Ham Show, Ham uh, Ham Fest, so that was kind of a bummer. But I uh, spent the uh, the weekend uh, uh, doing uh, celebrating my wife's birthday, so that was a lot of fun. So got that taken care of. And let's see, uh, I've been preparing for a uh, teaching event that I'm going to do with some some young men. Uh, looks like it's going to get pushed out a little bit. Uh, due to the heat here in the valley. So we may uh, look for a different uh, venue other than the top of a, a local mountain here, um, which means that I don't have anything to do Wednesday night. So looks like I have to go and do a uh, morning mini madness on Thursday morning. So it looks like I'm gonna be activating Lone Mountain on Thursday. All right, that sounds good. Yeah, that's the one. I, I just did that one recently and uh, got drove, drove off the mountain but because it has the, the killer bees on there, the Africanized bees. So hopefully your results are, are better than mine where I had to get the four uh, contacts in a matter. It was I think it took a minute and 30 seconds for me to make the, the four contacts before I got down off that mountain. <laughs> was... well, I'm, I'm counting on the fact that you took them all home with you. Yeah. So, yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'll, I'll tell you I, uh, I was going to tell you what, I worry more about the Africanized bees than I do about the snakes here, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. If you, For those of you who might be new, we live in Arizona. Temperature's been, uh, I think the high was yesterday was 118. I don't know what it is today, but it's uh, it's very hot. But, but uh, you know, the heat and uh, I think the bees are the two two things to worry about here. The, the snakes don't show around too much, do they, Brian? Yeah, no, not not right now. The only thing the snakes are doing is trying to find a cold place. And here at the Superstation, it's 116.6 degrees, according to the weather station outside. Yuck. And it's supposed to be like that on Thursday. But uh, fortunately, if there's any bees left, um, you know, we'll see how we can fare with those. At least I can still outrun the rattlesnakes. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, what I've been up to for the last couple of weeks is uh, I had that activation. But Sandy and I, especially just this last week, my wife, Sandy, uh, W7NRS, and I uh, took a trip to the Four Corners area. So that's uh, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, right where they all meet. Uh, first day, we drove up to um, uh, The View, uh, which is a hotel that overlooks the uh, Monument Valley. Spent the night there. It was probably the, 
my favorite part of the trip and just had some great views of the of Monument Valley. From there, the next day we drove into uh, to Four Corners area and then on up to Mesa Verde in Colorado, which is a, nation, a national park. And we did some portable operations there from the national parks on a couple of the summits. So it was kind of a dual soda poda activation, two of them, one each day that we were there. Uh, did some tours of some of the uh, Pueblo dwellings and then head out on back down and got home and we were really tired. But uh, that was uh, that was a good four day road trip that we enjoyed. So that was what we were up to. Um, all right. So let's talk to our host here or not our host, our guest, uh, Anne. So you're up, Anne. What have you been up to? Hello. Well, I was doing 13 colonies last weekend also. I had a lot of fun doing that. I got all of them also except the GB13COL. Never, never even tried them. Um, I had a radio club meeting with one of my local clubs in Sheboygan on Wednesday, and we had a fox hunt afterwards. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I was able to find the fox, so I was pretty excited about that. Got to try out a new HT that I had bought from a silent key. So I had one for the local repeater so we could talk to the guys, and then um, the other one was was with my um, tape measure antenna. That I, had, that I made part of it during, we had a little work project one time at one of my other local clubs in Manitowoc County here, the Aries group. And I was able to attend a couple of those. So I made, made part of it. So that was kind of successful. And then did some CWTs on Wednesday, which I usually like to try to do. And then did some NAQP CW over the weekend and swooshed in there were some unexpected emergency room visits to a friend and a family member that's been keeping me busy the last couple of days too. So it's been kind kind of a week looking forward to things settling down a little bit. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, it's, that's tough when you have stuff like that going on. I, I honestly, I really appreciate you still making the time to join us. And, and uh, I know that you, you know, when things are busy like that, it, it can be tough, but thank you so much. And, and thank you for just being here. You know, it's, it's great. I, I, I uh, was kind of looking into you a little bit. Uh, there's so much of your life. You, we, we, before the stream started, she, uh, Anne was talking about how it's just a spider web of different organizations and things that she's in the center of it. It's so true. You you have your fingers in a lot of stuff. It was kind of hard to to kind of whittle away some of the stuff and and uh, focus on some others so that we could. Otherwise, we'd be here for two or three hours talking about you. So um, we, we have some good questions for you and lined up. But but let's uh, let's just get a little get to little get to know you a little bit first. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background, kind of about yourself specifically, uh, you know, stuff that maybe isn't ham radio operating related, just kind of who you are? Okay. I had kind of like a whole life before I became a ham radio yeah. operator. I didn't get my license till I was 57 years old. So a kind of a kind of a late bloomer in that respect. I grew up on a dairy farm in Northeast Wisconsin in Manitowoc County. We had 31 cows. Um, we milked cows, but I did not. My mom wouldn't let us milk the cows. So um, spent my summer vacation bailing hay. And I was driving tractor when I was nine years old. And my dad would get me started and then hop on off the tractor and go and do his chores and then come back in and then hop on whenever I had to stop the tractor or whatever. So that was what I did. Didn't really have a lot of time for hobbies. Anything we did do, which was, you know, back in the day, 50, 60 years ago, was knitting and crocheting and domestic kind of things like that. Um, did go to college for a while, kind of stopped and started that a couple of times. Did some um, mostly clerical work as far as uh, my job, so a little light assembly. In got married in um, 1982, 1989. I had my first daughter and left the workforce for about six, seven years until they got old enough to be in school. And then I started out as a um, volunteer in the classrooms and the computer labs and um, did a little bit of just volunteering, some substituting as an aide, substituting as a secretary, and eventually took a job as a special ed aide for a couple of years and then finished my career as uh, the bookkeeper for the school district. And I did that for 10 years before I retired in 2018. Wow. That's, see, just that part, I mean, that's a, that's a lot right there. Uh, um, you just strike me as a person who's, who's very motivated and active and, and uh, likes to be involved in a lot of stuff. Why do you think that is? What, uh, what's, because not everybody does all the things that you do. What, what do you think that is? I kind of did that. I remember in, in high school, if there was a club, I was I was in the club. I just like to be, I don't know if it was just so boring on the farm that I was just looking for an outlet. You know, maybe it was part of that. But um, I wasn't sporty. 
um, didn't really have neighbors that we could chum around with or anything. So I guess I just looked at those extracurricular activities as just like, like a, my creative outlet, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. We'll just, we're just going to go around Robin and ask questions. I've got my first one out of the way. We'll just go to Brian, Dan, and then back to me and we'll just go in that order. So go ahead, Brian. You're muted. All right, so I'm the you're muted guy this time. We'll we'll get that out of the way. Nobody else has to do that now. Um, so what got you started in ham radio? And okay, I was actually on Facebook one night, and a good friend of mine, K E E I L, who is uh, ham up in Upper Michigan, and he's a brother of a good friend and neighbor of mine. And I knew he was a ham, but that was all I really knew about what his ham radio was. That, that I just knew he was a ham. And he posted on Facebook during the UP 200 sled dog race up in 2011, the local repeater club up there in Marquette, Michigan, streams the audio from the repeater 24-7 on the internet, on their webpage. So he said, oh, check into that, you know, and listen, listen to the volunteers were manning all the different checkpoints. So I checked into that and was listening for a couple of hours. And most of it, it was, you know, Team 23, just one checkpoint. Grand Marie or whatever, and um, they were just checking the teams as they as they went on and off and through the route. Um, some of it they were handling traffic, you know, that for the ham radio people as far as managing traffic because if there were snowmobiles and things like that to get across the road to make sure that the animals were and the riders were all safe. And one of the teams actually got lost, and they had to send out Russ Hughes um, snowmobiles to get them, which kind of made things a little more exciting than what. I think they intended, but it kept me listening for a couple of hours until everybody was all safe. So anyway, short story, the next um, day I'm chatting with him on Facebook and I said, wow, that was really interesting, you know, listening to what was going on. And he said, oh my gosh, Annie, he said, you should get your ham radio license. And I said, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I said, I'm sure it takes a lot of expertise and electronics and equipment and big, heavy, expensive things. And I said, I don't have any you know, electronics knowledge and I'm sure it's very expensive and I'm sure you're, you have to have some sort of expertise. And he said, you can buy a ham radio for less than a hundred bucks that fits in your pocket. And he said, nine-year-olds can pass the test. So I realized that ham radio was something completely different than what I certainly had pictured in my mind. And I went to the library and got a copy of the book. Now we're talking, now you're talking. And started reading about that, and it talked about talking to the International Space Station and bouncing signals off the moon, and I thought, what the heck could be cooler than that? So yeah. got my license. I started, um, there was a local ham radio club that was the Aries group, and um, I started going to their classes, even though I wasn't a licensed person, and got my license in April of 2011, and then started going to their meetings and just checking into the local repeater with my HT. Cool. That's that's a great story. That's awesome. I think uh, Dan's got it next. There we go. And I can unmute my mic as well. Um, so after you got your license, it sounded like it sounds like you probably spent some time on the repeaters. So what uh, what kind of enticed you to to get on the uh, HF bands and and then uh, ultimately decide that you wanted to learn CW? Kind of how was that progression? Okay, well, that would have been field day. Um, what I was doing, checking into the local repeaters on the weekly um, nets, which I thought, you know, I thought that was a big part of what ham radio was. And I had to walk about a mile up the road to the highway interchange because that was the only place I could hit the repeater with my little handy talkie. Didn't get very far. And then the local club had field day. So they set up a HF station for that. And they had a nice script written out and, you know, all you had to do was just say what was, what was in the typed words. And it took me about three hours to get enough ambition and guts to bravery to be able to do that. And I made one contact and the first one was to Michigan. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. And then the second contact I made was to Ohio. I thought, well, that's pretty cool too. So it's like, well, that was it. Then I was going to have to get my general license so that I could be able to do that on my own. So I um, started training for that. I had a lot of trouble with the material. Um, the tech license I had basically taught myself. They say that it takes 10 hours 
to be able to go through the material and learn everything. I spent about 100 hours on that tech license because I didn't have any kind of electronics background or anything like that. So um, the, the, gen the clear tech, tech license, I understood the general material was just really difficult for me. I couldn't visualize a lot of the things. So I actually took a class that was sort of a marathon class um, Friday evening, all day Saturday and half a day Sunday in Wisconsin Rapids. And then they tested afterwards. And there were three of us that took the test. Two of us got the license. I got the best score, but that was okay. Um, so then, you know, got a little taste of HF. My former um, SK Elmer NZ9Z found um, radio that was available. My eye doctor actually was selling his equipment. He was getting into more into his steam engine hobby and out of ham radio. So I bought his setup and we got that established here in the basement and got a G5 RV Junior. So $35 antenna in the backyard. And the first contact I made was with the Canary Islands. And that was pretty darn exciting. So um, I like it when I have to look up on a map to f see who I was just talking to. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so that was, you know, it's like, okay, now I'm an HF operator. And I was doing um, one of the first contacts that I made that I was unsupervised after John had left and had a very nice conversation with a guy. And he was telling me about you, that he was a VE and, you know, talking about his ham radio career. And back then I have terrible handwriting terrible handwriting. So I would jot down the contacts I made and then I would rewrite them into my log logbook. And I'm writing it into my logbook and I'm thinking, boy, that frequency just doesn't look right. I had actually been transmitting out of band. So just much, just a little bit. So it's like, okay, looks like we're going to be going for the amateur extra. So I don't have to worry about that. So that began, um, then I got my amateur extra in two 2016, I believe. And um, then, yeah, it just kind of like my dad has said about my ham radio career. He said, it, it's like I discovered my second childhood. It's just, it's just <laughs> such a fascinating hobby. And there's so many different facets to go to. And it's just, I have to re rein myself in sometimes because <laughs> yeah. there's just so many things, so many things to do and so many things that I want to do. And it's just physically impossible to, to do it all. Yeah, yeah, I can totally relate to that. And I think that the that a lot of YLs, in fact, just a lot of people can relate to the whole idea of not having an electronics background and 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 kind of that journey of of getting licensed even though you don't have that background. Even myself, I I didn't have that background. I actually went to to a community college to get some of that background, but it was still after I had already been licensed. So so it's definitely uh, encouraging, hopefully, for some people to to just realize that you don't have to know a lot about electronics to get involved in ham radio. Yeah. Well, and when we finished the general, when we passed our general exams and one of the guys that was the head guy that was running the, the class for the weekend, and he said, now the learning begins. And he said, that, that's really true. You know, you, you get the license, you got the piece of paper, you got the thing that you can hang on your wall. But until you really start getting on the air and operating that, that's when you really start learning. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Cool. So, uh, we, you, so you talked a little bit about how you got into HF. Um, let's hear a little bit more about your Morse code journey and, uh, specifically what, it, well, there's two questions there, I guess. Um, how do we do this? So, so I'm interested in kind of your, your progression in Morse code, but then in the, but then I also wanted to know a little bit about what uh, the Long Island CWYL only session is that, that you guys, you guys do. So I guess maybe start with the, uh, with this, the progression of your CW and then end with the, uh, with, tell us a little bit about that YL session. Okay. The um, CW, I had really no, in, not interest, but not, I figured it would be hard to learn. I was in a contest club, Society of Midwest Contesters, and um, they were entered in some club competitions and they, they did the sideband, of course, but then there was also Riddy and CW. And I thought, well, Riddy is probably going to be a lot easier to learn than, than CW. So that's was the direction I went there. But I was on a wild echo link net one Thursday night and K4, KM4LAO, Ruth, was a college student and she just piped in and said that she had just finished her CW Ops training and she said CW is like the most awesome mode in the world. And I thought, boy, if she likes it that much, it certainly is something that I should at least um, check out. So I signed up right away for the level one and took level one class and level two class. 
wasn't as happy with my progress as I would have liked. So I, I actually took the level and that just for some reason that that one seemed to click. Um, I had a friend that was in the level one or the level two classes with me, happened to be from Wisconsin, and he and I would get together in between and have like little study sessions and we, and we would practice. So um, we did that while when I finished the um, second round of the level two, I had just been finishing um, up my career. I was leaving my job, writing training manuals training the new person, um, very ambivalent about if I really wanted to retire in the first place and taking uh, the CW Ops class and was just really quite overwhelmed. So I actually kind of stepped away from, from the hobby for a little bit. Um, the One of my former teachers, K5GQ, Mark, got in touch with me and he said, well, I mind being a long on a CW Ops study buddy with someone and he found me a gal um, W4CMG from Nashville, just about my age, just about getting ready to retire also. And she was just starting her Morse code journey. So she and I would meet while she was taking her classes once or twice throughout the week and um, how we got to learn to get to know each other would be kind of like by CW drills. And, you know, what's your favorite color? My favorite color is, do you have a pet? You know, no, I have no pet or I have a dog. My dog's name is whatever. So we use CW as a way to kind of get to know each other, which was a lot of fun. And it helped her also during her, while she was taking her classes. Um, right around that time, COVID came and our sessions sort of started talk into more just talking classes, um, get togethers, just because it was just everybody needed a little bit of break from something. And I think that was what we took that as an advantage. But meanwhile, she's become one of my dear, dear friends. And I actually got to meet her um, two years ago in, in Dayton. So nice. that was fun to be able to meet with her. Um, right around that time, also in 2020, I was invited to be a guest on Ham Nation. And K, no, N, W4 LEA, Leanne, was one of the fellow guests and she was talking about how she was teaching a YL only CW class in the Long Island CW club. And I thought that was something that I thought was kind of a nice thing that's, that some YLs would, would be drawn to. So I joined the club and started taking some classes through there. I actually kind of ended up being sort of a co-host for Leanne because there were several of the ladies who had just wide ranges of experience and expertise so she would do the strictly instructional teaching the you know the the gals the letters and i would go into the breakout room with some of the more experienced ops and then we would do little training sessions or we do word games and th things like that just to um be able to keep our skills up and just add a little bit more fun to that so um that morphed into a Saturday. That was, I think we met on Saturdays. Saturdays ended up being bad for her. So she started doing Sundays and I kept going to Saturdays. And then she ended up moving to a different state, relocating with her husband. So I ended up taking the two days, which was kind of getting to be a lot. <laughs> yeah. And um, I told Howard WB2UZE, the founder, we're one of the founders of Long Island CW Club. I said, I'm gonna take a break for the summer and we'll regroup in the fall. And meanwhile, the Long Island CW Club membership was just kind of really exploding. It turned out that you, you uh, Anne, it looks like you're muted or or your uh, mic. There you go. How about that? Back now. Yep. It's okay now. Yes. Okay. Yep. So then um, we're well back to fall. So then I told Howard, I said, how about if we just have an open house? I said, the, the Long Island CW Club is so supportive to all the women. There's there's 70 classes that they teach throughout the week. Said, you don't need another instructional class. So we just opened it up as the YL open house. And we have ladies that check in. I've got about a half a dozen that are, that are my regulars that always pop in. And we 
troubleshoot if people are having trouble with things. We give moral support. We answer questions. I always run through contests that are coming up, different activities that are going on. So it's kind of like a, a current event sort of thing too. And it's just worked out, worked out real, real well. So um, that's what we've been doing that for probably about, oh, probably about two years now. So well, good for you. That's that's amazing. That's great. The Long Island CW uh, YL only session. I'm, I'm sure that you uh, make it a safe place for people for some of the YLs so that they can feel a little bit more comfortable with with Morris code. Uh, in fact, Janice Emery here says because of Anne and the LICW YLs, I am studying for my extra and learning CW. Oh, that's very sweet, <laughs> isn't it? That's that's great. Uh, and then of course. Uh, uh, you you said you know the quarantine Catholic. Yeah, she, he, she's uh, <laughs> she's uh, nothing but glowing about you. She says that you're awesome, an awesome mentor, and she likes the class too. So, uh, or the the meetup. So very good. Did it freeze? I just lost you guys for a second there. Yeah, you're here. Okay, we're here. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, so I wanted to ask you about the, um, the, um, excuse me, my lost my train of thought for a second there, the, uh, the YL club, the YLRL, my wife actually attended the, um, the forum at Hamvention, uh, for that. And she, um, she enjoyed it. So I was just curious what your involvement was like in that. Okay. The, how I found them was, and WB1ARU was calling very lonely one night on, I think it was a Wednesday night several years ago on 14.288 calling CQYL, CQYL, and nobody was coming back to her. And I thought, well, you know, I'm a YL, so I'll just come back to her. No, nobody else is. And just got to chat and she started telling me about the club. And I ended up joining that. And um, right now I'm the DX treasurer. I manage the DX membership. We've got about 100 um overseas members we've got about 450 ish um total members throughout the world we i am the the treasurer for the dx ladies so i manage their memberships and kind of a nice thing we have too is uh um, adoptee sponsorship the most of the um, gals that are dx are sponsored by us counterparts so then meanwhile we don't have to worry about the currency exchange and um, it's just a, a, a nice kind of a pen pal relationship, I guess. I've got three adoptees, one in the Philippines, one in Japan, and one in South Africa. And some are more active than others, but you just kind of have a little little um, social relationship with them. A lot of our um, matches, ladies have met each other in person um, through their travels throughout the year. So I, I have met one of mine. Um, Yuki came to visit at, um, she was one of the speakers at, convention a couple years ago so I got a chance to meet her from Japan so that was fun um, the purpose of the club is to encourage and assist YLs on their ham radio journey we do uh, every other month newsletter that we um, send out by email now um, a couple get paper copies but most of it is EL we kind of um, converted to that a couple years ago it saves a lot of money on our postage and helps our treasury we give out five thousand dollars worth of scholarships every year to um, yls that are ham operators we have contests we sponsor certificates um, at the yl we do have the uh, membership booth at the hamvention and we do have the um, forum we've done that for the past couple of years too as well and then at hamvention um, nets, we have some Echolink nets, HF nets, local nets also that are, that are just kind of strictly YL only. We had a convention in 2018 in Oklahoma City that was, I went to that and it was just, just wonderful, hotter than blazes, but boy, we had a wonderful <laughs> time. And we're planning on having another convention in 2024. So right now that's kind of in the preliminary works. They're looking for a location and, and ladies that'll, that'll help get things going cool very good so i i know um in one of my cw ops classes that i i took quite a while ago um we had a, a yl that was in our class and uh she was she picked up cw very quickly which was great and i i don't know what it is i i don't know if um yls just are more in tune to it because i'm terrible at it but what would you say to, you know, uh, other 
women who are out there wanting to learn CW, you know, as far as approach and and best way to get involved in, in learning CW? I guess I don't know why male or female would have any advantage or disadvantage learning. I guess I think everybody's just really unique anyway. Um, and I don't know why that would be a factor, I guess. Um, time, I think, for anybody is, is a big factor. Consistency in learning. You really have to make your mind to do it and then, you know, not do it for a week and forget about it for a month. You have to just re really, really be consistent, I found out. One thing that was good for me with the CW, um, Op CW Academy was that you, you had the structure. I'm a big checklist person. And, um, you know, you had your two one-hour classes through, during the week. I think we met on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then you were expected to do, I think it was whatever, half-hour amount of homework every single day. And for me, that was something that, that was really important. I tried going back to college one time, sort of a learn-as-you-go thing when that was sort of in its infancy. And I just didn't do well. I, I, I just really need, need the structure. Um, the challenge of, of it, it was very challenging for me. I don't, I have a little bit of hearing impairment. So, you know, with the hearing aid, sometimes I don't think I hear things that other people hear. So um, I'm, I'm quite musical and people say that's supposed to be an advantage. I don't think that helped me at all. Um, just, just my age and just the, the, the hearing that you lose throughout the, the growth of the years, just which is with the aging, aging process, certainly it wasn't my advantage either. Um, I like a lot of variety in my training too. I like to do different things. I, there's apps, there's websites, there's, you know, I sometimes get bored with, with the way that I train. Um, even just taking every, every opportunity, some people said, oh, you know, as you're going along, do all the street signs or something and you know just just use your fingers and 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 work the code and i kind of live in the middle of nowhere and i'm in a real small town that have, doesn't have any basically street signs so when i'm out for my walks i'll plug in my mp3 player and listen to morse ninja um oh, yeah adowe kirk does a real real good job and he's got thousands and thousands of hours of different training tapes though maybe ones like combinations of letters and numbers and you don't know what what it's going to be so it's not going to be three letters or three numbers it's 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 kind of mixing up so that's something that i that i um like to do the just to to challenge yourself i think is also very important just to not you know just keep listening to the same thing at the same time, you know, at the same speed, you're, you're not going to get any better. You have to use practice tools where you do make mistakes every once in a while, because that's when a, that's, that's how you're going to learn and get and improve your speed and improve your head copy. Head copy is, is my biggest struggle, um, I think, and maybe will always be, but it's just something you just, just kind of persevere. Yeah, practice, I always practice, practice. That's how you get the yep. So practice, practice, practice. Yep, that was my hardest point was uh, being consistent in practice. But uh, I also like the structured classes as well, and especially the uh, the fun things that you uh, experienced within those classes. Like, for example, you know, going shopping. You know, so you'd uh, say what you're going shopping for over CW, and and you had to figure out what it was. So, you know, it's used kind of common things that everybody should know. And then it's a matter of, you know, stringing it together. So th those kind of things were a lot of fun in those classes. Yeah. Um, so you kind of answered this question. So I'm going to re rephrase it a little different. So the kind of one of the questions I had was, uh, what's the most common struggles that YLs have with learning Morse code? But you're like, yeah, it's, it's there's no... Uh, correlation between gender on that. So I guess, is there any struggles that uh, you see that maybe YLs have that uh, men don't or OMs don't or whatever you want to call it? Is there, is there, do women have any struggles in the in the hobby at all that men uh, seem to not be aware of that you could, you could teach us about? Well, part of it is that I think some people just see this as a man's hobby and they just kind of think that YLs are maybe just sort of like intruding into their space or you know, maybe aren't going to be as good and aren't going to be able to handle it. And um, we're not just there to do the potlucks and we're not just there to, <laughs> to, to be officers. And 
just through some of my experiences, I think I run into some men that just maybe aren't real good to talking about talking to women. And maybe mm. they, you know, I guess, and, and as old as I am, I can say that a lot of these men, I'm sure, have been in, make worked in a shop for, for 50 years. And the only interaction that they had with women were maybe in their own household. And just not that they necessarily see us as threatening, but they're just kind of not sure why we're we're here. I mean, we're a minority in the first place, just being ham radio operators. And then being a YL, you're, you're even a subset of that. And um, I've gotten a lot. I'm not really a very outgoing, forthcoming person. I always considered myself a little bit on the shy side. And I've gotten learned to be able to be a lot more bolder just because I've got this community of people that share the same passion for the same hobby that I do. And it's, it's I'm able to mingle with them. But, you know, you got to get used to being the only girl in the, in the room because a lot of times that's what you are when I go to my club meetings. Um, I'll go to ham fests and there, there just aren't too many of us. And it's just, and like you said, you know, um, some people think we might have hard because they're just, they're just girls. They're not, they, they're not going to be able to get this. And there, there's some people that just feel that way. And it's just the environment that, that, that that's where they grew up. You know, it's a whole different age with my kids that are growing up. Um, now didn't have a lot of those experiences that I had. I grew up when I was in high school before title nine and girls didn't do sports. I couldn't join FFA. I couldn't take shop classes because girls just didn't do that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the, the ham radio population is tends to be kind of a little more aged group as well too. So I think a lot of them have just that preconceived notion. So that that's my thing. You're, you know, you're going to hear, People say inappropriate things once in a while, and I, you just have to deflect that and realize that they're not being, but not directly aiming that necessarily at, at at you, and just can't take it personally. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of curious uh, what specific facets you you enjoy in CW. I mean, I, are you more of a rag chewer? Do you like contests? Do you like you know? chasing like soda or poda kind of things or uh, that kind of stuff. I was kind of curious what you enjoy most about that specific area. Okay. I, I like to contest. I really do. You know, again, we didn't have sports when I was in school. If there were sports, I wouldn't have done it. I was more of a forensics kind of girl. So um, just it really, I really enjoy the contesting. I like the fast pace of it. I can see my little score popping up. So, you know, there's, there's, I can see, see my progress. I don't necessarily have to compete against other people. I can just compete at myself and, and feel good about that. Just for the 13 colonies this year, I did seven of those contacts, QRP. And I was pretty excited about that. So next year, my goal is to do all of them to see if I can get all of them QRP. Won't worry about the GB13COL. We'll never do that one. But um, the, the, I'd like to get, you know just get bigger, faster, so I, I kid with people and I tell them, I says, you know, they say, what, what's your, what's your ham radio goal? And your CW goal. And I said, my goal is for people to think that I'm as good as I think I, as they think I am, because, um, you know, I, I just happen to be in the right circles. People recognize me. I got a record. I got a recognizable call sign that kind of sticks out. Um, I just, just happen to, you know, sometimes I'm just right in the right place at the right time, talking to the right people. So um, it just, I would really love to be able to rag chew. Don't really have any particular interest in it. I'd like to be really competent at 30 words a minute is really kind of like my, my goal right now. I POTA, I would like to do, I'd like to get into some portable operation, my 13 colonies that I did. That's two weekends ago already. Um, I was actually doing that on my, my back porch. So I had my portable radio out and was testing out some, um, antennas. I had my Wolf River coil set up and was doing a little bit of fine tuning with that. I got a new antenna analyzer. So I was playing around with that and trying to get a CW hookup, which was, we were having a little problems um, with that with a straight key. I was trying to get that going. So that's that's my next project right there to get the street key, straight key going with the portable radio and to get a compact setup so that I can um, go out and do some POTA. Cool. 
Uh, Catherine Goodrich here says the cool thing about being a YL is in CW is that no one knows you're a YL until they mm -hmm. hear your name or you, you you're a repeat in their log. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then yep. she's, she's, she's a good friend, my good friend. She was my CW ops buddy. And um, one thing that we talk about frequently is that we don't want to be known as a good YL operator. We want to be known as a good operator and right. don't necessarily feel that, that this, you know, granted we, we, we take advantage if somebody says, can the YL come back on sideband? I'll be first to jump right in there. I don't, <laughs> I don't, you know, that at all. Was... but you know, also we don't want to be patronized either and feel like oh we have to give her special accommodations because she's a yl we, we don't want that and boy you lose that on cw i was going to say during the uh, 13 colonies event my wife learned about the 20 db yl advantage several times mm -hmm. in fact uh, <laughs> she got gb 13 col on the first call on phone they, oh good uh, she, job oh it was hysterical <laughs> it was hysterical you hear this very faint the yl ending in echo, in echo victor echo and i'm like that's you hun go <laughs> ah. got him on the first yeah. call well and again we'll, we'll take that as an advantage <laughs> as it is but we don't want to be the person expecting to be making the potluck at field day and then they just grab us and say quick throw your call sign out just because they want to use our voice yeah, you know, yeah. which is well, that to me to, that that's a little patronizing to me and i don't yep. care for that we were we were fortunate at our field day that we had uh three of our yls that got on the got on the radio and they had a great time and it was fun, a lot of fun to see them enjoy uh operating on there so i'm looking forward to that again next year one of the other portable things that i that i do like to do is the eaa air venture and that's coming up the oh. end of july and we next set week. up a station right in the middle of the there's a kids kidvention your kid venture it's called and they've got uh, two different tracks. One is an aviation track and one is, I think, a mechanic track. And they have these kids that are doing soldering and they make the little airplane things and they put them in machines with wind and they can see how their air goes, how their wings go. And they do spot welding. They do the air simulators. And we're right next door to them. And we've got a 20 meter radio set up. And people can come up and just get on the air and it's amazing. We'll drag these kids in and say, Oh, you want to get on the air? Or sometimes they'll, they'll ask. And I had one young man that was a middle schooler a couple years ago and he knew the um, phonetics alphabet and he did an awesome job. And we just had a big piece of paper and they would be on the radio. We would be logging for them, but we'd have little, sentences on paper that say you know what's your qth and we would just point to different things that they were supposed to say if they were a little bit mic shy and just had a ball and the earl got smart a couple years ago and offered people who showed up at their booth at the at the eaa and if they signed up for a membership they got a license guide so i'm thinking there's going to be a lot more ham radio operators to come that'll pop pop out at, at our booth and you know just say that they got their license just be, because of getting on the air at the at the eaa and gotten gotten the exposure i, I could i yeah, guess from that's oh, a oh, go ahead then. sorry good, Brian. you're done i was going to jump in and say as as a my my profession i think as you might figure out by the call sign I'm, I'm a commercial pilot by profession and one of the things i've learned from being a ham and a commercial pilot is there is uh, there are a lot of uh, hams that are pilots, and there are a lot of uh, what I call uh, airplane buffs that are hams. Um, mm -hmm. I run into them all the time. I bet there's a, a large group of guys that I get together with uh, for lunch once a week on Thursday, and a, and a good portion of them are, are airplane buffs or or pilots as well. So it's it's a good. I think it's a good uh, match for that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's an really... awesome event. There's ten thousand planes that come in and take off during that week. It, it's just fascinating. It, years ago, it used to be just like a little club that started out in Milwaukee and it's morphed into this hundreds of thousands of people, you know, seven day event. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. If you, if you get a chance, cause that starts next week and it's an awful lot of fun to listen on broadcastify or something like that to the aviation uh, channels. They always have it on there and they always have cameras on, on their website too to watch and you can listen and watch how they bring planes in and how they take off and it's just an amazing orchestration 
of uh, aircraft. So uh, if you've never seen it, check it out. So it's it's well worth yeah, spending a little bit of time. Two years ago, they added one of the sections to the Kid Venture, and they actually make a little 40-meter receiver, and they can actually um, listen to the air traffic control tower. Oh, that's so fantastic. So you can see, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds sitting there with, with Elmers that were helping them and soldering these antennas, and then they plug in the little earphone, and they can hear hear the air traffic control, and it's just amazing. So um, I don't know whose turn it is now. Is it Brian? Is it your turn, or did you did you go already? I think I, I think I went already, but okay. I mean, I, that's fine. I, I was going to ask you um, a couple questions, but uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, anybody who's watching live or listening live, uh, go ahead and if you have a question for Anne, go ahead and put it in the chat, and we'll make sure we bring it up and and uh, have her answer it for you the best she can. Um, of course, we'll filter them. Uh, but also, and there, a friend of mine, I don't know if you probably don't, I don't know whether you know him or not. He's an, also a YouTuber. His name is Kyle. His Alpha Alpha Zero Z is his call sign. And he's from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. He has a uh, Monday, every I think it's every other Monday. It might be every Monday. I think it's every other Monday live stream. And all he does is talk about ham, uh, Morse code and just different aspects of Morse code. And uh, he, he, we were kind of talking offline a little bit about how we're uh, just a bunch of white males on there talking all the time. And he wanted to diversify a little bit. So um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know how busy you are, uh, but and I don't want to put you on the spot either, but uh, it might be something that uh, where you could help us and our community a little bit by uh, diversifying a little bit with that stream. If you hop on every once in a while, I'll uh, connect you to him offline a little bit but uh those of you who don't are watching who don't know we do he does have a great live stream every monday every other monday and uh it's just all about learning cw so it's it's another resource i guess um all right so i don't see any questions popping up so uh let's just go to the next one maybe dan you want to ask the next one yeah um key preferences do you like straight key bugs or paddles what what's what's your flavor Oh, geez. I just like them all. I've got a wonderful, I used to have a, a bencher, which was, that was what I trained on. We had to learn um, CW on paddles for CW, for CW Ops, CW Academy. So that was really all I ever really used. Um, I would try out different keys at Dayton and, you know, they, they were appealing, but I guess nothing really hit, hit me in particular. When I joined LICW Club, um, they do a lot of straight key focus. So I got just a little $35 straight key and started playing with that. And by joining the SKCC, Straight Key Century Club, is also really promoted in um, the Long Island CW Club. So I joined that as well. They have a lot of activities. There are a lot of events that they have, contests and things during the month and um, plateaus that you can reach and, I mean, accomplishments, I guess, but as far as plateaus, not, not stagnant. But they've got um, a lot of things that will also push you and can encourage you to spend more time on the air. So I realized that I was going to want a little bit nicer straight key. Played around with a couple of different ones. I've got about four or five of them right behind me here that just kind of I swap out off and on. But what I've got now is a Begali blade, which is like awesome. Just really, really like that. Um, my paddle, I saw the advantage of maybe switching to a single paddle. I tried those out and kind of like the feel of those. So I've got an N3ZN single lever paddle. And both of these keys I bought um, from friends and love them both. I also do uh, keyboard sending. I'm not shy about that. When I do the CWTs on Wednesday, there's no way I'm going to be sending at 35 words a minute. So I do the keyboard sending as well. So which I have to be kind of careful with because if I do too much of that, then I you lose your skills on on the um, the the paddle and the straight key. So because I haven't been a ham for years and years and years, and you know haven't learned this. 40, 50 years ago, and it's all in my brain and in my fingers, I have to make sure that I keep keep those skills up. So that's something that I have to get get back into every once in a while so that I don't lose it. That's interesting. Do, do you, um, so you use straight key, you, you started out with straight key then? No, started out with paddles. Paddle, and then you then you moved to straight key. Uh, how, how would you say your proficiency is with straight key? What's your speed, do you think, and, and how's your fist? Um, certainly slower just because of the, of the mecha mechanism of, of the straight key. And again, because I haven't really had it for really long, 
um, and been doing it for really long. So I just, you, I mean, you can only go so fast. On the street <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're limited by the, by the mechanics of it, but it's, um, Long Island CW Club stresses that it makes a better brain hand connection and your, you know, brain and ear injury key. And I, I believe that to be true, but I also learned on a paddle and, you know, that, that was just, just the way that I learned. So it's yeah. just kind of a personal, personal preference. Yeah. I, uh, the, the quarantine Catholic says nice taste of keys and, and uh, yeah. Tell me what, what's the blade? Is that a paddle or a, a straight key? Can I show you here? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a straight key then. Wow. Yep. A nice one. Yep. It's nice. It weighs a couple of pounds, so it's pretty, pretty hefty. Yeah. Very good. All right. We do have a question here for you from Robert Varner. He says, does, does she do FT8? Oh man, are you going to shame me if I do FT8? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a controversial thing. Um, I did do FT8 in the past. Um, I was always going to learn, what is it, JS, JS9, and then I never got around to that. And then there was JS was something else and whatever. They were kind of going through the, the, the series, making things be bigger, better, faster. And I didn't get into it at all until they came up with FT8. And I thought, oh, I'm kind of glad I waited because it was just a lot quicker. Um, it was fun. I didn't feel that. It was fun, but I guess I, I want something that I put a little bit more effort into, I guess, on my own. I can I can see the fun, the fun of it. I can understand the thrill of it and why people want to do it. Um, people want, pe you know, old time hams want new time hams to get into the hobby and get on the air. Well, it certainly has gotten people on the air, just having that mode available. Um, when I was trying to do a ready contest and it turned out that all my audio settings had gotten screwed up because of the FT8 setup. So I kind of just stepped away from that and stayed with what I've got. I don't like a lot of software changing things, whatever. I'm just not real comfortable doing that and troubleshooting with things like that. So um, it's just something that I never have gotten back into yeah, it's for, for me, I just I just enjoy CW so much. I just really don't see the desire to, to get back into FT8, but I can see yeah. it certainly has its place and people do enjoy it. So that's understandable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, each their own, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. one of, you know, one of the things I was going to say about the FT8 when people ask me, I said, you know, if you're not really up on propagation or understanding what's happening with the propagation, if you do FT8 and you look at the PSK reporter while you're doing it, you get a really good feel for propagation. You can watch the signals change as the gray line moves across the map. So they're, they're, for someone who's relatively new to HF, you can actually pick up a lot by just watching what's going on and listening to what's happening and seeing the signals come through. If you also pair it with the PSK reporter. So I, I that's what I talk about FT8. I say, I tell people for me at least, it did a lot early on, especially low band stuff, uh, you know, 80, 160 meters. I learned a lot about the propagation on those bands just by watching the FT8 activity and seeing how the propagation changed. And you could see it happening real time. Yeah. yeah, that was one thing I noticed, too. You could just by the signals that were coming in, you could just you could just see, you know, the, coming across, coming across the country. Yeah. Janice says, I just want to say thank you to Anne for introducing me to the, to my great Elmer with my great Elmer. I'd, I wouldn't be where I am today without ham radio. Nice. 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 Thanks. And that's, that's one good thing about having some kind of connection, whether, whether it's a club, whether it's an online group, whether it's a class that you're taking, it's just so important to, to be networking and to be able to feel you've got a place where you can go and where you can ask a question, where you can get somebody that, will help you if you just need a little bit of cheerleading for whatever reason. And, um, you know, that, that's one reason why I, and I like the different clubs that are kind of for that reasons. So I get different things from different clubs and, um, yeah, it's just, just helped me on my ham radio journey. Yeah. And you know what, I, it's, it's really surprising, but we're almost out of time. We've, uh, We've got five minutes left, and uh, man, you're such a great uh, a guest. You, uh, 
you're very enjoyable to listen to and and very instructive. So, but we got to wrap it up here pretty soon uh, with just the five minutes left. Let me remind everybody that we have our friend Jason Ham Radio 2.0 who will be following this stream. He's uh, I'll put a link up if I can get it here in just a minute, so you can move on over and, and check him out. I think he's going to have the get the uh, president of the um, uh, Huntsville Ham Fest on. They're going to talk about the Huntsville Ham Fest, which is pretty cool. So, but anyway, back to us. Uh, I think I'm just going to go around and do a little round robin here, real quick, and get uh, any final thoughts from from any of you guys that you have. I, I wanted to to start with Anne though, and just say, what would you say to any uh, YLs who are new to the hobby? Or who are just, you know, having a desire to learn Morris code and are new to that? Uh, is there is there anything you would you would offer to the the new YLs that are just trying, or or people that are maybe some YLs that are just considering getting into the hobby? Okay, especially for the CW aspect of things, I would just say to try to find a study buddy, somebody that you can connect with on a regular basis, and you know, doesn't necessarily have to be the same level as you, but um, it probably would be a little bit more helpful. Um, just to, so that you can encourage each other and, you know, troubleshoot each other and join, you know, find a club. If one club doesn't seem particularly welcome to you, find another club. Or if, if there's a class that you think is too hard or too fast, pick another one. That's one thing that the Long Island CW Club really has an advantage of with 70 classes each week. There's, you know, it's certainly not one size fits all. It's one size, you know, it's, you can find something for any kind of interest that you have. And one nice thing too about ham radio is it's a, a hobby you can kind of put on the shelf for a while if something happens in your life and things. I had shoulder surgery two years ago and boy, that put a damper in my ham radio because I couldn't get down in the basement for a couple of months. And um, I came back and my radios were still here. I had trouble finding the microphone because I don't use that very often. But um, it just, just keep at it. Find, find a group that you can feel comfortable with and um, consistency, I think, too especially in CW is, is the big thing to just set aside, even if it's not every single day, but at least several times a week and just spend a little bit of a time, um, you know, li listen to the, to the, I call them tapes because I'm all listen to MP3s or whatever, or audio files and find software you like, put a, put an app on your phone. There's just so many with the technology that's available these days. There are just so many ways and opportunities to be able to reach out and either network or find tools that, that will help you on your journey. Yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, Robert Werner says she should have a YouTube channel. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> if he knew how yeah. nervous I was doing just this. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then a, my good friend Ian from uh, Australia. Uh, he says, thanks for the stream. Hope to hear Anne on Straight Key Century Club sometime. So uh, VK5CZ is a good friend of mine, uh, although I've never met him. He's just a great guy. We we exchange emails all the time. And uh, so maybe, yeah, hopefully you two can get your – I'm going to actually join Straight Key Century Club uh, night here sometime soon too. Okay, yeah, right. I've, I've been kind of slacking on that. I got my team <laughs> and then I kind of just went in different directions. So I got to get back into that again. That's a fun group. Yeah. All right, uh, Dan, closing thoughts? Um, I, I thought this has been really informative and, uh, really enjoyed having you on the, on the stream tonight. Um, really fantastic. I hope that, you know, more, uh, you know, youth and, and ladies get on the air. Um, I think it's, you know, it does nothing but, but help ham radio, um, take and pulls away some of that mystique. You don't need to be an electrical engineer to be a ham radio operator. Um, and it's a lot of fun. You never know who's going to be out of the other end uh, of your conversation. And that's the most exciting part. You know, all of a sudden you hear somebody, you know, from Europe and you, you know, you have, you know, something up that you are, you know, wondering, well, how did I pull this in, you know, with this antenna? But that's part of the magic and that's the excitement of it. Yeah. And I was going to say the same thing, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, to operate. You know, all of us on here are, are a great example of that. Um, especially when it comes to the code, you know, I, I, I'm sure I don't speak for, would, would agree with me on this. The, the worst thing you can do is not operate when you're doing the code, you're going to, you're only going to get better and more confident. The more you operate, um, just operate, do, do, do the CW, get out there. Don't be afraid. 12 words a minute. Who cares? Get on. They'll slow down to you. If they don't just ignore them. Yep. Yep. 
Cool. All right, Anne, that's it. Uh, we re I really appreciate you coming and, and, uh, and especially on the, under your circumstances, your, your personal circumstances, it was, it was great that you were able to come on and share your time with us. People love you, it sounds like, which is great. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a great uh, interviewer uh, or, and a guest as well. And uh, so I hope to, to see more of you myself. And uh, if you could stick around and not hang up right or, or disconnect right after this, we will have some post comments here, just the four of us before we wrap things up. Uh, so, but with that, guys, uh, everybody listening, I uh, really appreciate your support for the uh, All Portable Discussion Zone. Remember, we, we uh, meet every other uh, Sunday at 2300 UTC, and then occasionally we'll do a Saturday morning uh, special guest for those who are across the pond. But uh, thanks again, uh, Anne, and, and uh, thanks to Dan and Brian for being here. And uh, go ahead and check out uh, Hamreader 2.0's stream, which is probably going right now. I put a, a, a link in the uh, chat, but I'll put another one here real quick. And so with that, I'll say 73, everybody. Bye. Thank you.